0: Yeah, news like that is always hard to hear, but we have such a great confidence and hope in the Lord. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit about that today as we go through the Word of God. But uh, today we are continuing in our study in the book of Hebrews. And today the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And He will speak to us through the Word of God. And and I want to encourage each person here right now to prepare your heart before the Lord. Hopefully during this time of worship that you've set your heart before the Lord to hear from Him because I believe that right here and right now, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And I mean you, not the person sitting next to you, not even just a a general you as the whole group, but you as an individual, God wants to speak to you today. And, And He will speak to you today if you're listening to Him. Now, let me ask you something this morning. Why did you come here? Is it because you want God to speak to you? Is it because you want to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it because you want to have that kind of relationship, you know, where, where God speaks to you, and you speak to him, and, and when you hear him, you listen to him, and you obey his words. Is, is that why you're here? Because, listen, for, for whatever reason you're here, it might be the mochi donuts, I don't know. <laughs> but for whatever reason you're here today, I, I want you to know something right from the start, which is that there is a living God who speaks to us by his living words. And and the living God is the God of the Bible. And the Bible is God's living and active words. And so this living God that I'm talking about is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he will be speaking to us today. The question is, are you listening to him? So let's find out. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And and look, if, if you don't have a Bible to call your own, please do not leave here today without uh, getting one. We, we would love to give you a Bible, because my hope and my prayer for today is that we would all go out of this gathering with soft and humble hearts, because we've heard the voice of God, and, and the voice of God is going to come to us today. It's going to come to us in and through the Word of God. So from Hebrews chapter 3, let's read God's Word from the Bible Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 through 19 it Says therefore as the holy spirit says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your living and powerful word. And we thank you that we can hear today from a living God who will speak to us by the Holy Spirit. And God, we ask right now, would you prepare our hearts to receive everything that you want to speak to us? And we prayed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, there's a lot for us to consider this morning. And uh, do you need some water, Helen? You're good? Okay, okay. No, you're fine. I'm just want to be sure. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot for us to consider this morning as we come into this section of Hebrews, but we want to remember what it is that the writer of Hebrews is getting us to consider throughout the whole book, and that is that we want to consider Jesus. And last week, we considered how Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession and that he is much greater than Moses. Just as the builder of a house is greater than the house itself, or that the son of the house is greater than the servant of the house, so it is that Jesus has been counted of much more glory and honor than Moses. Simply put, Jesus is better than Moses. And we were told at the end of our study last Sunday, if you were here, that we are God's house. And what that means is that we have this confidence and this this hope that we can boast in that through Jesus Christ, we have been made the children of God, that we are God's family. Uh, Jesus has even called us his bride. And this is something that Moses longed to see. Now, now why is all of this being said? Why is the writer comparing Jesus to Moses? Well, this is being said because for the Hebrews who first received this letter had this dangerous and growing temptation among them to neglect the salvation of God that is offered through Jesus Christ. They were seeking to perhaps turn back to the law of Moses rather than receiving the grace of God. And so the first warning was given to us in chapter 2, to not drift away from what we have heard, which is the gospel message, which is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died and rose again to save us from sin, death, and the devil And that he's made us sons and daughters of God. That's the gospel. That's the original confidence that we hold to. And and there's a danger. There's a danger even up to this present day for people to hear that message of Jesus. And either reject it. Or neglect it. Or add to it or subtract from it. Or to turn from it or to come up short of it. And so there's another warning that's given here to not mess with the message of the gospel. Instead, hear the gospel. Respond to the gospel and and be confident in the hope that the gospel gives. And we are where we are in the book of Hebrews because there were some in the midst of the church who because of hardness of heart and because of deceitfulness of sin, And ultimately, because of unbelief, there was this concern that there were some in the church who might not actually have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. They hadn't quite come to him and were thinking of turning away from him. And this was a warning to the Hebrews, but it's also a warning to us here today lest there be in any of us an evil unbelieving heart leading us to fall away from the living God. But, but if you're here today and you're listening to this right now, then, then we can sure, be sure that that's not the case for you. No one here wants to fall away from the living God, do you? <laughs> I don't think so. But to be sure of this, we want to make sure that we can each examine our own hearts before the Lord. And this is something that I had to do this week as I was going through this portion of Scripture. I had to examine my own faith and my own heart with these words. And now my responsibility as a pastor is to exhort you today from the Word of God. And so I want to be faithful to rightly divide the Word of Truth so that you can examine yourself. That you can hear these words, you can see where you are in relation to Jesus Christ so that together none of us would be found in that terrible place of having a hardened and unbelieving heart and thus failing to enter the rest of God. Instead, what we can do is we can all humbly come to Jesus today and find rest for our souls because that is what Jesus promises to us believe. That's why verse seven says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice. And so far, I've spoken about how the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today. And perhaps you are already hearing him speak to your heart by the things that have already been said. But notice how verse seven reads. It says, as the Holy Spirit says. It's written in the present tense. You see that? It doesn't say the Holy Spirit said in the past tense. And that's why I can say that God's going to speak to you today because he's a living God who speaks today. He says things. He didn't just say things in the past. It's why I scratch my head when people ask such a funny question. You know that question, does the Holy Spirit still speak today? That's a funny question. Verse 7 answers that question of, does the Holy Spirit speak today? Read the verse. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense, today, this present moment, if you hear his voice, present tense. Listen, by the authority of the word of God, I can tell you today, my friends, the Holy Spirit still speaks today. A much better question is, today are you listening to him? So let's talk for a moment about how one can hear the Holy Spirit's voice. The voice of God, the Holy Spirit, sounds like the Bible, because the Bible is His voice. Uh, Today, the the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to us, and He's going to be speaking to us from Psalm 95, as it is quoted in Hebrews chapter 3. Now, now the Holy Spirit can speak beyond the pages of written Scripture. The Holy Spirit's voice is not merely black ink on white pages. And, And so, While the Holy Spirit can still speak beyond the pages of written scripture, he will by no means contradict his holy and final word. So if what you think you have heard from the Holy Spirit contradicts what is written in the scriptures, you have not heard from the Holy Spirit, my friend. Yes, God still speaks to us today. He's the living God and we must listen to what he is saying and he will speak to us primarily through the word of God and yet there are other ways that he speaks either through a word of prophecy, a dream, a vision, a prompting, a leading, through a worship song, through the preaching of a pastor. However, what you hear must be consistent with the Bible, or what you have heard is not from the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of truth, always speaks what is true. And so if the Holy Spirit's still speaking today, then what's he saying? Well, he's saying today, if you hear his voice, meaning if you hear the voice of Jesus in these last days... If you're hearing God's voice right now, what he's saying to you, which, which by the way, you are hearing God's voice right now. Do you know why? Because you're hearing the word of God preached. That's the voice of God. And so if you're hearing the voice of God, then do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. With that setting the stage, we want to unpack now this verse verse 7 through 11, which is a quotation from Psalm 95. And to do so, what we've got to do is we've got to consider some biblical history. And, And through this biblical history, what the Holy Spirit's going to want to say to us is how the Israelites in the wilderness days with Moses serve as an example to us of what not to do. The wilderness generation is an example to us of of not hardening our hearts. And I'm reminded here at this point of what Stephen, uh, that that first Christian martyr in the book of Acts said uh, in the sermon that he gave. He he said this to a group of religious people who were listening to the things that he was saying. In Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 51, he said, You stiff-necked people, (laughs) uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. We do not want to be like that, do we? Resisting what the Holy Spirit is saying. And what he's saying to us is that Jesus is better than Moses, and we must cling to Jesus. So let's go through this verse again. Let's read verses 7 through 9 one more time. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So as I said, these words are being quoted from Psalm 95. I feel like maybe is the AC causing people to cough or something? (laughs) Is everyone good? If you need some water, don't be afraid to get up and get some water. We're good. Steve, we might need water passed around. <laughs> all right. Everyone good? Y'all with me? Yes. Rather, better question. Are you all with the Holy Spirit and what he's saying today? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad. All right. So Psalm 95, which is being quoted here, is, is a call to worship for Israel. As, as the people of Israel would go into the temple, they would always be reminded of their past. And they weren't reminded of their past so that they could regret it. By the way, if, if you, when you think of the past, all you're doing is regretting it. It's not of God. Rather, we look to the past so that we can learn from past mistakes. Because if, if, if we hear God today, tomorrow could be spared of the mistakes of yesterday. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul gives a reminder of how the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, how how after leaving Egypt and crossing the Red Sea, the people of Israel saw the mighty miracles of God. They walked across dry ground, the sole of their shoes never wore out, They, they ate food from heaven, and yet they complained and they rebelled, and God was not pleased with that. Paul reminds us of how 23,000 people died in a single day because of sexual immorality. He reminds us of how God sent fiery serpents because the people tested God and grumbled. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now these things happened to them as examples. But they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Do you realize that it is possible to learn from other people's mistakes? That's what the Bible's all about. You look at the mistakes of the people in the Bible and you say, I want this to be instructive for my life because you can be spared from a lot of trouble. You can be spared from a lot of pain if you read the Bible and you take it as instructive for your life. And so Psalm 95 was a reminder to the Jews as they would go to worship God in the temple. And Hebrews 3 reminds us as we've come to church today... To, to not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Now, if you've been going through the Bible, as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, you probably would have read this story in Numbers. The writer is talking about what had happened at Meribah and Massah. Same place, two different names for it. While the Israelites were in the wilderness of Kadesh, after they had been led by Moses through the Red Sea, and they had been promised that God was going to lead them into the land of Canaan, this land that God had promised to them. And the Jewish people had just come out of bitter slavery, and God had been with them the entire way, miraculously providing for every single one of their needs. But one day they came to this place where there was no water to drink, and, and the people became very thirsty, and, and they, they started to complain against Moses, their leader. They were saying that, that Moses had led the people out of Egypt just so that he could take them out to die, and they wanted to go back to Egypt, and, and how quickly they had forgotten the misery of that place. Moses was frustrated with the people, and so he went to God and he told the Lord what was going on. and He said, "He's kind of like, what's the deal with these people?" And God said, "I'm going to provide. Here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go to this rock, and there was this rock there. that That he said, I want you to strike the rock, and then water is going to flow from it, and then people can drink water that I provide." And Moses said, okay, God, sounds good. And God said, but, but I have one other instruction. He said, if you want to have water come from the rock again, all you have to do is speak to the rock and water's going to flow. So Moses said, all right. And he went to the rock and he struck the rock. And sure enough, water began to flow and the people began to drink and they were satisfied and they were happy again and all was well. But of course, the people got thirsty again. and they started complaining against Moses again. And, and, and Moses said, these people. And so what does Moses do? Well, Moses did something that God told him not to do. In anger, Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, like God said to do, Moses struck the rock twice with his staff, and he said, "Here now, you rebels." shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses made a big mistake right there. Look at what happened. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12 through 13. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through them he showed himself holy. So Moses was not able to go into the promised lands because of what he did there at Meribah. Moses even tried to plead with God and said, God, please, can I go in? And God said, I don't want to hear about it anymore, Moses. As I shared last week, I believe that this is because Moses, who represents the law, cannot take you into the rest of God. The law can only bring you up to the rest. And then Joshua, whose name in Greek is Jesus, is the only one who can take you into the rest. And the rock in that story, by the way, who's that? Jesus. Moses misrepresented Jesus and he misrepresented the the gospel of what was to come because we know that Jesus was crucified once and for all for sins. Jesus only had to be struck once on the cross. And then after that, all you have to do is speak to the rock and and you'll receive living water. Isn't the Bible amazing? Exodus chapter 17, verse 7 says Moses called the name of the place where this happened Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You see, the wilderness generation kept going astray in their hearts with disobedience. God said, later on, that there were 10 different instances that the people in the wilderness did not trust God at his word. And this culminated uh, in the time when Joshua and Caleb, along with 12 other spies, went in to spy out the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And it's called the promised land because God promised this land to the Jewish people in the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the people, as they went in, these spies went in, they saw giants in the land. And these giants had chariots, and and these chariots had iron wheels, and and their children were going to be taken over by these giants and and by their chariots. and, And they were afraid, and they said, we can't go in and take this land. But Joshua and Caleb, who were said to have a different spirit, said, no, we can do this. We can do this because of what God said he would do for us. God promised this land. He said he would defeat our enemies before us. He said he's giving us this land. God said he's going to do it. We have to trust him and believe that he's going to do it. And this was another way that they tested God. They questioned if God was among them. They they said, is he here or is he not? They questioned if God would really do what he said he would do. Instead, they thought they'd, you know, take matters into their own hands. And they hardened their hearts. And they rebelled. And they tested God. And that is when God said this generation will not go into the land that I promised. And so for 40 years, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness until everyone over the age of 20 from that first generation that came through the Exodus died. And then Joshua and Caleb led that new generation into the lands and they conquered it and they dwelled in it. And it it's still the land of God's people today. Now, after hearing all that biblical history, which, by the way, you should come to Israel. I'll be talking about a lot of this stuff. After hearing all that biblical history that's referenced in Psalm 95, I think you're going to understand more clearly what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So here's the point that's being made. Speak to the rock to receive living water because the rock has been struck once and for all. Hear the hope that only Joshua can take you into rest. Moses can't take you into the rest of God. Anger, grumbling, opposition, and fear won't provide you with any rest for your soul. Don't put God to the test. Believe him. Don't harden your heart to his promises. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today about any of these things? Better yet, are you hearing him? So verse 10 and 11 says, Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So that first generation of the Exodus, along with Moses, didn't enter the promised land. We know that Moses begged God to go in and God said, I'm not going over this again with you, Moses. Moses. The people even tried to enter in on their own at one point, and it says they were driven out like a swarm of bees. You can't enter rest, the rest of God, in anger, bitterness, grumbling, opposition, fear, pride, unbelief. To to live that way is not to know God's ways. To live that way is to go astray in your heart's. And God said to Moses even, who was the leader of the people, he said, and this is very sobering for me. He's saying, you are misrepresenting me to the people. I, I, he was misrepresenting God to the people because Moses made the people think that God was angry with them. <laughs> God said, I'm not angry with them. I love them. And as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is challenging because I just, I confess to you even that if I have ever given you the sense that God is angry with you, God is not angry with you. I may speak loud and passionately, but God's not angry with you, my friends. God loves you. And God demonstrated his love for you. And now while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. God's not angry with us. He loves us. And as his ambassadors of reconciliation, if we're giving the people the impression that God's angry at them, we are misrepresenting God, and that is a very serious thing. Amen? And so let's prepare our hearts right now for verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And the writer of Hebrews was saying to the Hebrews, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, to take care, to pay attention, and to learn from the example of the wilderness rebellion. Brothers and sisters, we want to learn these things so that we don't make the same mistakes. Lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart leading us to fall away from the living God. This should hit us all. This verse should <laughs> perk you right up in your seat. Because the Holy Spirit speaking today and he's saying, hear his voice. Hear the voice of Jesus, the one who is far more superior than Moses. Speak to Jesus, the rock of salvation, and ask him to give you living water. And if this is how God dealt with that un- unbelieving generation that rejected Moses, how much worse off will we be if we decide to re- reject Jesus in unbelief? We need to hear Jesus and speak to Jesus so that the Holy Holy Spirit will flow like living water into our souls. So God's not angry with you. Do You want to know what makes God angry? It's when we don't come to him. What makes God angry is is we don't come to him. And so long as you put yourself at a distance from God, you're going to think God's angry at you. And, And so here's the thing. Come to Jesus and receive life. Come to Jesus and receive his grace and his mercy. Lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart. If you have an evil and unbelieving heart, it is to say, is God with me or not? To have an evil or unbelieving heart is to say, is God going to do what he says he's going to do? To have an evil and unbelieving heart is to say, Why did God bring me to this place so that I can die? There are many ways that we may test God with our words, with our hearts, where we don't believe that God is good, where we don't believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And this can lead you and has led many to fall away from the living God. Yet if you refuse to believe God, You refuse to come to Jesus. You decide to go astray. Where are you going to go? There is only one living God. And only he can promise rest and provide it for your soul. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8 verse 28 through 30. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an offer. (laughs) Why would anyone decide not to come to an offer of rest like that? What keeps us from coming to Jesus? What, what causes people to fall away from the living God? Let's find out in the rest of this chapter, verse 13, but exhort one another. As long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's amazing what's happening here right now. You know, we're the church and we're hearing God's voice through the word of God. And today is Sunday. It's a day that we gather weekly. It's not the only day that we gather as a church, but it's a special today. And you know, today, Sunday, July 16th, 2023, we are being exhorted that none of us, and that's myself included, will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And you can probably tell that there's a sense of urgency about this. Because by not believing the truth of the gospel, people are dying in their sins. And sin is very deceitful, is it not? It's deceitful in one way in that it can go by many different names. Call it what you want. Mistakes, failures, wrongs, shortcomings, offenses, boo-boos, blunders. Blunders. I don't know, call it what you want, but but the Bible uses the word sin to encompass the problem that is hardening people's hearts. And sin is deceitful because sin is also enjoyable and pleasurable or else we wouldn't do it. But it's only that way for a season. You see, no one would sin if sin was not deceitful, but we all sin, every last one of us, because we've been deceived. Because sin boasts great promises, but can't deliver on those promises. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to stray, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And there's a word for deceitfulness of sin. That that word deceitful actually comes from the idea of fishing with a baited hook. A fish sees a promise of reward. But with one bite, death comes upon it. And so, because sin is deceitful, that is why Jesus has told the believer to be discerning. We have to learn by God's word that when sin tempts us, we can say, uh oh, up! Oh, that's a hook." And I wonder if anyone here today needs to be convinced that 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 you're a sinner. And that sin is an offense to God. And, and I don't want to take too much time doing this, so, so here you go. God says you're a sinner. God is true, and every person is a liar. There you go. You're a sinner. You can try to convince yourself that you're not, and that's the exact way in which sin is deceitful. <laughs> And we know that the price of sin is death, which is why we will all all one day die. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is why if you trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you will live forever because you trust God. And so, brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, do not be deceived by sin. Daniel Hendrickson, don't be deceived by sin. In a a continual and ongoing manner in our lives, we want to repent of sin. We want to keep a short account with sin because we want to keep hearing the Holy Spirit, don't we? And the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We want to keep looking to Jesus, don't we? Who made a way for our sins to be forgiven every time. We want to keep following Jesus who will lead us out of Egypt, which is the picture of the bitterness of sin slavery. Let Jesus lead you into the land flowing with milk and honey, the picture of God's rest. And then verse 14 says, For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now this verse says that we have come to share in Christ. That is a glorious way of describing salvation in that we have been united to share with Jesus in all things that are his. We have come to share in Christ. He is in you and you are in him and you are united as one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if that is true for you, and if that is true for me, then we are one in Jesus Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. The end refers to when we die or when Jesus comes back, whichever one comes first, Lord Jesus come. And our original confidence is that we are God's house. We are the children in the family of God. This has come because we've heard and trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God the Father has set the seal of the Holy Spirit upon you. And by the grip of Jesus, God will keep you in his love as you keep yourself in the love of God. God will hold you firm to the end, and we are to hold firm to God until the end. Like a father holding his son's hand, I think Ben-Kai re- mentioned this recently, you know, we may get scared and let go of the hand of God, but God's hand never lets go of us. He might even at times sweep us off our feet for a moment, but God's hand never lets us go. So you've got to keep believing that God is your father, that Jesus is your brother, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you and bears witness that it is so. And hold fast to God. You know, some have suggested that this section is saying that you can lose your salvation. Let me tell you that there are sections of Scripture like this one. There's going to be several more in the book of Hebrews that kind of alarm you. What's this saying? Sobering. And, And I believe God uses these verses like this one to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. You know, to one person today, this message might have been seen as a very sobering warning. While well, to another person, this message may have just been seen as another sweet reminder. What is this message speaking to you today? Have you come to share in Christ? I hope so. If you have, hold firm to the end. If you haven't come to share in Christ or, or, or you're not sure if you've come to share in Christ, perhaps you feel like you're just kind of on the edge of it, teetering there, today, hear God's voice and call out to him and he will save you. Therefore, let the Holy Spirit say this to you again. It's worth repeating, and that's why the writer of Hebrews repeats it, verse 15, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Has God spoken to you today? If God has spoken to you this morning, and if you're hearing, that is really good. See, God has been speaking this morning. but, But if you're not hearing him, and there's even a hardness in your heart to all these words, and you're just like, can't wait till this is over. This is so dumb. You should have concern for your soul. So today, if you hear his voice, that's really good. It means you have not hardened your heart to God. What has been spoken to us this morning is for our exhortation. To encourage you to come to Jesus and to keep on keeping on with Jesus, to trust Jesus with your entire life, all the days of your life. And so if you have not come that come to Jesus to find rest yet, today's the day for that to happen. If you have been wandering and going astray in your heart from Jesus, today's the day to turn back and to come to him. Today's the day to not harden your heart, but to come humbly to Jesus to find rest for your soul. Because it's very true that you're not promised tomorrow. Do not put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Who's to say you even have tomorrow? My friend Reese Lenders thought he had another day. He put the keys to his car on the wheel of his his car because he just thought he's just doing a quick trip, he'll be back and he'll just grab his keys and keep going. Who says you have tomorrow? Listen, for those of us who trust in Jesus, we have the promise of rest for eternity. And so if tomorrow does not come on this earth for any one of us, we can hold fast to the hope that we have eternity in our hearts and that to die is to go be present with Jesus. Do you have that hope of eternity in your heart? As we end this morning, if if you're not convinced that Jesus is the only Savior, the one who is far more superior than Moses, the one who can give you rest for your soul, then these last questions here in verse 16 through 19 are meant to send you right over the edge so that you can trust Jesus. It says, It says, Why do people not come to Jesus? The very same reason that the wilderness generation did not promi- enter the promised land, and it is this. It says it there in verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. In unbelief, listen to me, unbelief is not weak faith. Unbelief is, is neither is it having doubts. God can work through weak faith. God can help a doubting believer. Just say to God, like that father said to to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What the writer is saying here about unbelief is that willful decision to not have any faith. It is to say to God, I don't trust you. I, I will not listen to you for how to lead my life, thank you very much. I'll trust myself instead of you, God. That is unbelief. Unbelief is the giving of God the lie and what could be worse, Spurgeon says. He also says, though you may look upon unbelief as a slight sin, it is the sin of sins. Is the root cause of all sin is unbelief. And if unbelief was that root that caused What happened to those in the wilderness? They heard the plans of God. They heard the promises of God. And yet they rebelled, even though they saw mighty miracles, even though they were gathered among the people of God, even though they had a great leader in Moses to guide them. They provoked God for 40 years when they journeyed. And and do you realize it only needed to take 11 days to enter the promised lands? What was supposed to take 11 days took 40 days years because they treated God and his promises with contempt. Have you resisted God for 40 years of your life? Don't resist him another day. God instead swore that they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. One year for every 40 days they wandered and that generation died. So as we end here, let me just say this very gently, very humbly, because I've experienced this myself. Hardness does not jump upon your hearts. Hardness creeps upon your hearts. But today, hardness can be shattered in a moment. The Word of God, like a hammer, can break up the hardest of hearts. The word of God and the spirit of God can be like water that just pours out and refreshes a hard and dry and weary land. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It says today. It doesn't say yesterday. It doesn't say tomorrow. Jesus said today, listen to me. Amen. Let me welcome the worship team up. Let me tap into next week's text as we'll have something to look forward to next Sunday. I'm not leaving you on any sort of heavy note, by the way, today. Look at what Hebrews 4.1 says. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear. Lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Look, it would be pastoral malpractice for me to not give you an opportunity right now to come to Jesus. D.L. Moody was a wonderful preacher. And he preached one evening in Chicago. It was October 8th, 1871. And he preached a message similar to this one about making a decision about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Decide to follow Jesus was the message. And at the end of that message, he told the congregation, I'm going to give you one week to think about the things that I've told you today. And I, I want you to come back next Sunday, and, and I will give you an opportunity to come to Jesus. Well, that night, a huge fire broke out in Chicago and burned through that city, killing 300 people and displacing 100,000 people from their homes. And that night, Moody wished they called for a decision for people to come to Jesus that night. And he never again waited to say, I'll give you that opportunity next week. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and you've always just said, tomorrow, next week, in a year, The Holy Spirit never speaks like that. The Holy Spirit always says, today. Today, do not harden your hearts. Today, do not be deceived by your sins. Today, come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. We're going to play a song of worship. And if today you want to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, or you want to return to Jesus because you've gone astray in your heart, today's the day to do that. We're going to play this song, and as the song is being played, I'm just going to invite you to get up from your seat, and I'm going to invite you to come right down here toward the front. This is maybe scary for you, but what is more fearful is... (laughs) is to just reject this moment of what the Spirit is saying to you. Let it be a moment where you've heard the voice of God and you've heard him say, come. So come now. We're gonna worship. We're all gonna stand up, make room for people to come and come to Jesus and we're gonna pray.